Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona.
wanted to say something real quick. I was talking with Nick in the foyer out here. I was talking with my brother Nick out here, and I said, hey, man, are you going to New Mexico? And he's like, you know what? I just got a job, brand new job, which is great. It's a blessing. Hopefully this is okay. I'm talking about <laughs> We always apologize <laughs> after. We ask for forgiveness after. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I just, man, after we talked, I just felt really inspired. Like, I just want all of us as a family to pray that supernaturally this this New Mexico weekend he just has the opportunity to take it off without even asking and um, you know you mentioned something man I'm just trying to stay afloat you know keep my family afloat and I heard Yahweh say that you're gonna he's gonna take you from that position to riding a wave there's gonna be that type of paradigm shift in your life and I also heard him say and this is something that I was receiving earlier but that you've experienced sonship of Rome and sonship of Greece, but you're going to experience sonship of Zion. That's what's, that's what's coming next for you in your life. It's going to be a whole paradigm shift, man. Really, really excited for that. So let's just be praying. Let's just be thinking about Nick, thinking positive thoughts and praying and interceding that he would just be given that opportunity to join us in New Mexico. So We'll be praying for that. Um, tonight, we kind of wanted to, like Missy said, just prepare the family, posture the family for what's happening, and really give um, give perspective to the unseen realm, right? We, we know what we can see of New Mexico. We know, you know, the reservations, the travel, we're going to have good food, there's going to be great fellowship. We know all of that, but I want to talk about the unseen and what, what's happening in the unseen realm as we prepare to go to New Mexico. Because um, I think it's very important, and I think it's bigger than New Mexico. I think it's one of those things where there's a divine intersection of our identity. Like some crazy things happen when your identity and what you carry in your heritage and the trajectory that you're on intersects with the chaos and the just the demand from the world for hope or for you know the light at the end of the tunnel just the craziness that's going on all the chaos right everything's crumbling the government the economy there's craziness all over the world our our you know the superpower that we once were is is no longer right what what can you find hope in in the earth right now Right? There's times when the economy's good, there's times when things are great, but what I think is really powerful is when things are just in utter chaos, they're crumbling, you can't depend on anything, and yet that course that we're on, that path that we're on in the world is intersecting with the heritage that's in you that's coming to the surface. So we've been carrying this heritage, right? It's like being pregnant. You cannot know you're pregnant. You can be carrying something that's going to go from the unseen to the seen and not even know it. And for so long, this body, this house has been pregnant with the heritage and the original intent. And it's coming to fruition. It's going from unseen to seen. And the moment that that delivery is going to happen, it's a divine intersection with the, the, the pattern of chaos that we've been in. And this is the big picture of what's happening in New Mexico. Right? We, we've said it for a long time. We're a governmental family. And I want to connect the dots between 
the feasts, being a governmental family, what's happening with these two houses coming together. And I want us to be excited about it and realize as, as the father of the house, you know, gathering the family to realize and perceive what's happening in the unseen and how tremendous it is. Okay. Because really, like I said, you know, I've been watching the news and I'm, you know, some people say, don't watch the news and all that stuff. I like to see what's going on. I like to see the, the, the devastation and the depravity and the things that are happening and the loss of life. I, I, I want to be aware of those things, right? Because that I, I could see that, that path. I could see it coming. It's like two train tracks coming together. And I'm carrying all of our heritage and all of my identity and everything that Yahweh wants for my life. And we're going to collide at some point. And that collision is going to happen in New Mexico. I'm telling you. I'm te- Come on, Matilda. And, and n- not at any time in my life have I sensed this type of divine intersection as tremendous as what's going to happen in New Mexico. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you started it. <laughs> oh. Give her the microphone. What'd you draw? So what I saw was, um, I saw two tapestries that had been, it was torn, and one of them was Arizona, one of them was New Mexico. Mm. And what I saw was God set a flame that shot up in between them and binded them with golden thread. Mm. And it was it was like a binding of for, for His original intent of what He intended to happen. And it's just, it's just awesome. crazy. I that was so cool just That's to see amazing. this fire. Mm. <laughs> Does that? Do you have the history that you had sent Darla between the two states originally? have to look uh, I'll try to find it because it goes along with that so I'm gonna I'm gonna try to connect the dots so by the end of the night we have a perception of what's happening in the unseen and and what is about to be delivered through us and through this this family that we're engaging in covenant with um, I want to talk about the Great Commission which when I think of all the craziness and all the chaos and all the things that are happening, usually what happens when there's hopelessness is Christians or the church or just believers will say, well, where, how should I position myself? What can I do? What should I be doing in the midst of just global, just think, just anywhere you look, there's just darkness, death, anywhere you look, corruption, right? As Christians, like, well, what, what should I be doing? Can you guys relate to that? I mean, I'm, I'm seeing the news of 13 servicemen losing their life. These are young guys, young. And I'm thinking, what can I do? Right? And this is what, this is what he showed me. He said, look at the great commission. Okay. He commissioned us. He commissioned you. So if you think of a mission, if you're on a co you're you're on a co-mission with him. If you think of a mission, no matter what's happening, you have to fulfill the mission. Okay? 
And when I was asking Yahweh, I was looking at these 13 young men who died for us. They died for the people over there they were, they were fighting for. And I said, Lord, what can I do? And he said, look at the Great Commission. That's what he said. Okay, what does the Great Commission say? Just, say it, just throw it out. What's the Great Commission? Go, on, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Holy Spirit. Right? This was the last commandment from Yeshua's lips before he ascended. Okay, that's how important this is. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Ruach, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. <laughs> that's the part that gets, it, it goes silent on that part. Mm-hmm. What commands? I thought he lifted it. And this is what I mean when, when your heritage and your calling, mm-hmm. right? It says, it says in the, in the Bible, walk worthy of the name that you've been named. Walk worthy of the calling that you've been called to. So when we talk about the great commission in Yeshua himself, before he ascended, the last thing he said, the last thing he said on this earth was teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. What is he talking about? What are the commands that he's talking about? <laughs> huh? Your I heard smile it. lines are really cute. What? Your smile lines are really cute. <laughs> <laughs> but come on, we've been talking about it. It's not I'm not trying to trick you guys. <laughs> we got to we got to understand this because if Right. As the father of this house, right. We all, we all have covenant. We all have relationship. If I knew I was going to die in 10 minutes and whatever I felt was the most important thing I could say to you Mm. in my last breath on this earth, right. If when it comes to that time with, with my father, I'm going to be very intent. Hey, I'm not going to be saying, I'm I'm not going to be saying a whole lot. I'm going to be listening. What is, what is on my father's heart at the conclusion of his life? Right? It's just like Joshua. At the end of his life, he said what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was the last thing he said. So we have to know what he's, when he's talking about. The Great Commission, we know go to all nations, baptize them. Right? We know that. Make disciples. We know that. But disciples of what? What? When we go and we make disciples, <laughs> and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a, a scripture in Mark 7 that will horrify you. If you don't know, what are we discipling people in? Right? I said, I said we've been familiar with, with being sons of, of Rome. We, we know what, what a Roman adoption looks like. We know what a, what a Greco-Roman adoption looks like. But what, is, what does it mean to be a son of Zion? Right? Did he call us to be sons of Rome? Did he say express the spirit of adoption to Rome? No. So we have to know. How important is it that we have to know when he says, teach them 
what the, the commands that I've taught you, teach them to obey those. We have to know what that is, right? So what is that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What else? Any other? That's not wrong. The first two. So when he says that, Yeshua is very specifically speaking of the Torah. When he says to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, he's talking about the Torah, the Mosaic law. That's what he's talking about. Okay, I'm going to read you another scripture. That was Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Matthew 23, 1 through 3 says, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in the seat of Moshe. So you must, you must obey them and do everything that they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Is that confusing to anybody? Let me read it again. Matthew 23, 1 through 3. Okay, this, this is, when you just, when you first read this, this is through the spirit of adoption under a Greco-Roman family system, if that makes sense. Okay. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in the seat of Moshe, so you must obey them and do everything that they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. This is Yeshua talking to his disciples. Okay? Basically what happened is you have Pharisees sitting in a literal seat of Moshe. If you read Exodus 18, there's a seat that Moshe sat in when he would be a mouthpiece for Yahweh. Okay, and he would convey Yahweh's heart to the people as far as the law. He would sit in, it's called a seat of Moshe. Now, Yeshua's talking about this seat of Moshe and he's talking to his disciples and he's basically telling them, well, let me read it in the Hebrew context, okay? There's a very small key word that changes in the Hebrew context. Yeshua tells them the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in the seat of Moshe. So you must obey him and do everything that he tells you. Okay, so if you can picture, and I'm talking about, if you look in the, if you read it in the Hebrew, it doesn't say do everything they tell you, the Pharisees. It says do everything he tells you, meaning Moshe. So Yeshua is basically telling his disciples, you cannot listen to these Pharisees because they don't practice what they preach. And while they're, while they're preaching what they don't practice, they're sitting in the seat of authority from Moshe. So Yeshua is drawing a distinction between the Mosaic law and the Pharisees and their oral traditions of men, the Talmud, the traditions that they put up as a fence to protect the Torah. Does that make sense? How crazy is that? That when you read this in the Hebrew, it sounds like Yeshua is saying, the Pharisees sit in the, the authority, the delegated authority of Moshe, do everything they tell you, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they preach. <laughs> right? He's discipling his disciples. And what did he say? The last thing before he ascended, what did he say? Teach them to obey what I've commanded you. 
he's discipling his disciples and he's telling them, you can't listen to the Pharisees because they preach their oral traditions, their own traditions, while they sit in Moshe's seat. And Yahweh's saying, listen to the seat. Obey the seat of authority, not the person who's violating the seat. <laughs> That's going to say, say it again. That would be like, I'm trying to think of an example. Well, Just say it again. I, Don't think of an example. Okay. <laughs> now remember, in the context of the last thing Yeshua said before he ascended must have been important that when you go out and you're baptizing and you're going into all nations the very last thing is teach them to obey what i've commanded you what did he command us well when he's talking to his disciples he's telling them you cannot listen to the pharisees while they're sitting in the seat of moshe not practicing what they preach don't listen to them listen to the seat follow the seat of authority follow moshe's law he projected the Mosaic law from that seat of authority. Do we have delegated authority? We're carrying delegated authority on our way on this long trajectory to New Mexico. We're carrying delegated authority with us, right? But we have to practice what we preach. We have to align ourselves with that seat of delegated authority. If we sit in that seat and we start adding our own traditions to it, then we become Pharisees. Okay. I mean, this will just, if you just like read the word in the original intent, it just smashes all kinds of doctrine and theology, right? <laughs> the Greek dad will say, listen to them and do what they tell you. Mm -hmm. Yeshua and the, the, the elder brother of Zion will say, this is how you reconcile. This is totally, totally Hebrew mindset. This is how you reconcile. You want to know if somebody's uh, uh, self-righteous or they're preaching something outside of the word? Look at if they're sitting in a seat of delegated authority and they're not practicing what they preach or they're not aligning themselves with the seat of delegated authority that they sit in. <laughs> I just thought of an example, but I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to go there. No. You guys could probably guess what I'm thinking. Okay, Mark 7, uh, 6 through 13. Somebody pull that up and read that for me. I think it's 6 through 13. Mark 7, 6 through 13. Tell me if you got it on your phone or you got the word. got it. Who's got it? Gabby's got it. You read it for me. And he said to them, rightly did Israel prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. Neglecting the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. 
He was also saying to them, You are experts at setting aside the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. But you say, If a man says to his father or his mother, Whatever I have that would help you is Corban, that is to say, given to God. Whatever I have that would help you is given to God. You no longer permit him to do anything for his father or his mother, thus invalidating the word of God by your tradition, which you have handed down, and you do many things such as that. That's crazy. He said, you've become experts in your tradition and setting aside what I have commanded you. Experts. And then at the end, if you caught it, he said the traditions of men will nullify Mm -hmm. the word of the Lord. The traditions of, it says this, (laughs) the traditions of men will nullify the word of Yahweh. Think about the word as a living language. Think about everything we've been learning, the language, it's alive. Basically, the traditions of men will will put to death the living word, Mm -hmm. nullified. So we go back to Yeshua and he's teaching his disciples who he's going he's gonna to send out into the ends of the earth, right? Carrying Ruach, carrying the living word inside of them. And he's teaching them how to keep the word alive in them and, and continue that multiplication by teaching people to obey what he's commanded them to do, right? If they, if they obey what the Pharisees said, they would nullify the great commission. Like, just let this, let this sink in because I feel like this trajectory we've been on, he's taken us, he's stripped us down, right? There, I would, I would be as bold as to say that as we were operating in our traditions, we were doing the best we knew how, but we were sons of a house other than Zion. Yes. We were sons of a Roman house. We were sons of a a Hellenistic house. Yeah. Yeah. And we were experts in our traditions, and we were actually nullifying the word. Mm-hmm. We were sitting in Moshe's seat, mm-hmm. preaching the Great Commission, but not practicing what we preach. Right? Because we left out the part, the last part. So... So I, I just want to, I want us to understand that for one, I feel that this is, when you ask yourself that question amidst chaos and darkness, and you ask yourself as a son, as a follower of the way, as a disciple, what do I do? What do I do? Well, what's the, what is, what is the thing that Yeshua commissioned us to do? And what is the last thing he said? And where does that point us? That points us back to the feast. Let's talk about the Moedim. He said, celebrate my feast forever. Right? Whose feast? Whose feast are we commanded to celebrate? His people. <laughs> Is, are they, are they, do they belong to the Jews? No. 
Do they belong to the Gentile? Do they belong to anybody? He said, celebrate my feast, my Moedim, my appointed times. We're coming up to an appointed time and we're rehearsing the trumpet call. We're rehearsing, we're getting ready to answer a call. Yom Teruah was the Feast of Trumpets, and we're, we're, we're practicing the call comes and we answer it. Mm-hmm. We're answering the call. That's what we're practicing. We don't even know it could be the real deal this time. <laughs> we have to rehearse. He said, celebrate my appointed times. This time is appointed, mm-hmm. and I'm telling you, in the midst of utter darkness and chaos, what, when, I, when I say, what do you want me to do? He said, look at my great commission and teach them to obey what I've commanded you. What did you command us to do? Obey the Mosaic law. Well, maybe we've been sitting in a seat and not practicing what we preach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we really practice what we preach, then we're going to celebrate and rehearse and honor what he honors. Mm-hmm. And we're going to walk by example and we're going to teach others to do that. Can you understand how dangerous, how, how deceptive and how dangerous and how easily we could sit in a seat and become a Pharisee? We could take Moshe's seat. Pharisees were sitting in his seat. Why shouldn't sons sit in the seat of Moshe? Pharisees sat in his seat and they violated that place of delegated authority. So to me, it's like, okay, right? The death and darkness and corruption is, is progressing. It's moving forward. It's encroaching. It seems like it's encroaching on everything. It's always getting more and more pervasive, right? But instead of focusing on reacting to the, <coughs> the darkness and what's happening, we need to focus on what we were commissioned to do, Right? So how do I address the death in the, in the specific situations in Afghanistan and the economy and, you know, the, our currency is almost dead. It's on life support, right? How do I address that? I don't really address that at all. I do what Yeshua commanded me to do. Go back. Huh? What is that? He, he, he commanded us to obey the Mosaic law, the Torah. That's what he was speaking about. Now, and the reason why I know that is because when he was teaching the disciples about the Pharisees and them sitting in the seat of Moshe, the distinction of them not practicing what they preach, you have to understand the context of the time, is that these were rabbis and they were operating in the oral traditions of men, the Talmud, which they considered a fence around the Torah. Now go back to the ministry of reconciliation when Paul says to tear down the dividing wall of hostility. Paul wants us to tear the wall down between the two houses. And here you have rabbis erecting a fence around the Torah saying that we need to protect this from any Gentile. Mm -hmm. So Yeshua, being who he was, (laughs) kept it real and he's like, you're not erecting fences. Anybody who I disciple, yeah. you're going to operate in the ministry of reconciliation. You're going to go into all the earth, and you're not going to nullify my word Come by on. adding traditions of men and erecting a fence around what I died to give everybody free access to. Come on. So now right? let's fast forward. That was back then. 
But let's fast forward 2,000 years and the exact same thing is happening on the Christianity side. You got pastors sitting in a seat of authority, erecting fences saying this is only for us and that's for them while we are hosting men's tradition with Easter, Christmas, and Halloween and we don't even know what the Torah says about Yom Teruah, but yet we all want to fly away when the trumpet blasts. We all talk about when the trumpet goes and we're gonna just be caught up and yet we don't even know the word Yom Teruah. We don't even know what the trumpet blast is. And he asks us to rehearse that feast. People are thinking the trumpet call is gonna come and it is. But there is a remnant that knows already about the trumpet call. We're not just wandering around waiting for it there is specifics and there is an opportunity to rehearse so when he's talking about the the uh not divided connection but the divine connection the intersection that's happening is i believe that if i can just make this real that this house while we while neither here nor there okay but we all were functioning under a father of Rome or Greek because we knew, yes, we knew about the Christmas play and never heard Yom Teruah. Okay? Or even if you didn't grow up in the church, you know the church knows about Christmas. Because that's when you go out and get all those people to come inside your building. And then you make sure you have an altar call after the pageant. <laughs> pageant, right? So there is an aspect that in this house, we've been learning how to tear down the traditions of men. And for those, it was hard because those are our traditions. Those were our fences, those, that was my security, and he comes in, starts to tear him down, and we've been in the process for the last year. If you think about it, last October was when he began to speak, now it's time to build. As a family, we celebrated Hanukkah, and then he began to move us into Pasach, and then we did Shavuot, and this will be the first feast that is considered a prophetic feast. What I mean by that is, is we've rehearsed Pasach and that's already been fulfilled. Does this make sense? We all rehearsed and celebrated Shavuot and that has also already been fulfilled. But Yom Teruah, the trumpet call, has not happened yet. And the reason why is because he needs the two houses to come together and begin to rehearse his commandments and what he said and get back to the original intent. And that's why there's such a divine intersection because as a family, we are, there's, I think at this point, we have 65 people and 17 rooms. We are just up and going. And the cra you guys are all crazy. You don't even know these people. You don't even know what celebrating Yom Terah is, but you're like, I'm done with Christmas. Let's do the trumpets. We don't, I don't know what it looks like. What I do know is I got a vision of uh, a Lois and a Yuna spirit uh, touching the Torah. 
Now you'll understand why this is so powerful because the Torah is what has been robbed from us and replaced with men's tradition. And we don't even know what the Torah says. We know the first two and those are amazing. And that is what it all hinges on. If you don't know the rest of the Torah, what she spoke, hold on to that. That is the hinge for all the rest of the laws. Okay, you have to have those. That's why those are highlighted. But that didn't mean just do those two. All the rest of this is just, you know, saved by grace. So what's happening is, is I saw a Lois and a Eunice spirit touching the Torah and, and um, basically being in, in the spirit almost like zapped into the original intent and something was going to begin to shift because he asked us to build but this will be the first time that we will be celebrating the prophetic feast as we rehearse what's to come and what I think is so powerful is we know that there is something special about Jerusalem and they would have to travel there during the feast. There's something that we're as a family, as a Gentile house, if I can say it that way, that we are, we as Gentiles are like, uh, how do I, we're, we're uprooting, picking up, and moving, and traveling into a territory that is Judah, or a community that has been operating Hebraically for over 30 years. So the aspect of what they know these feasts, and there's an aspect of what he just was talking about, where the Jews would be, the, the rabbis would be the ones erecting the fence. They're taking their fence down, we're taking our fence down and then we're saying, let's join together in a prophetic feast where it's about the trumpet call that when he comes back is when the sons of Israel would, would hear it. Yeah. Does so, so think about this divine intersection, right? We've been on this path. They've been on this path. We're about to collide together. <laughs> These things are happening and amidst all the craziness, any of the crazy things you could think of, you're basically what you're doing is saying, I'm going to prophetically step in mm -hmm. to calling forth the unseen. I'm going to bring the kingdom forth mm -hmm. in this realm. Mm -hmm. Come on, mm -hmm. Matilda. Mm -hmm. What, what, mm -hmm. is there anything more aggressive to confront what's happening in the earth, yeah. to actually operate prophetically in what he said to do, to say, I'm going to rehearse and I'm going to answer the call and I'm going to call forth the kingdom, the unseen into the scene, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? You can, you can prophesy, you can pray, you can baptize, you can deliver demons and cast them out in his name, right? And he can, at the end of the day, he can say, I never knew you because you weren't practicing what you preached. You weren't honoring what I honor. This could possibly be the first time that a corporate body of people, and I'm talking in my personal experience, that I've seen a corporate body of people step into his prophetic flow and his calling and his responding to his trumpet because we're rehearsing answering the call. Corporately, we're all understanding and we're not nullifying his right. word. Right. Mm-hmm. 
How often have we just been in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, whatever, in Jesus' name, this and that, and we're nullifying the word that we're speaking at the same time? Yep. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. When he told him, go back to Exodus 18 to the seat of Moshe, go to Matthew 23 and look at what Yeshua was teaching them. He was, he, was, he was showing them the distinction. He was teaching them, look at these Pharisees sitting in Moshe's seat. And when you, when you read the scripture, you're like, okay, do what the Pharisees do, but don't do, don't do, do what, what they, they do. But don't do what they do. Do what they say, but don't do what they do. That the, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't say that, right? And it doesn't say that. It says, they don't practice what they preach. Do what he, Moshe, the delegate, the place of authority that they were sitting upon was Moshe. And him being a mouthpiece for the Lord. That was the place they were sitting in. Yeshua was saying, honor that. Honor that seat. Right? It's just like the president. You don't got to like the president that's in office. Right? At any time. Not talking about any specific president. You don't got to like them. Right? But what are we, what should we do? We should honor the place of authority. We should honor the seat that they're sitting upon more so than the person. We should honor the person, but that's how government works. Right? He's called us a governmental family. He wants us to sit in the seat of Moshe, but he wants us to, he wants us to ab- abide by and align with the Mosaic law and the Torah. Right? Those are the things that he commanded us to teach others to obey. So really, when we step forward, as I was just to kind of bring it full circle, as I was like, you know, Yahweh, what, what can I do? How can I position myself to intercede or whatever? whatever it is and basically it, it, what I'm seeing and what I'm realizing that the family is stepping into is that he's saying son don't worry about all this darkness don't worry about all this death and corruption and all the systems that you used to find security in don't worry about these things falling apart call forth what I commanded you to do call it forth call forth my purpose in the fulfillment of what I started He's saying, son, I want you to finish it. You finish what I started. Mm -hmm. That's what he's saying. And when you start thinking that way, there's no, I'm telling you, Mm -hmm. there's nothing. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that can stand against somebody who says, I'm going to finish what my father started. I'm going to finish it, but I'm going to finish it in alignment with how he commanded me to do it. It doesn't matter what hell comes against you. You're not even worried about that because you're focused on what did you commission me to do? And this is part of what he commissioned us to do was honor what, what he honors. Celebrate my feast, the prophetic feast, the first one in the, in the course of a year, correct? The first prophetic feast in the course of a year. Talk about prophetic. You don't got to be. First into- or the last. Well, yeah. Because in Deuteronomy, it says you can start over in March, but anyways. But here's what's crazy. So Yom Teruah is the trumpet for what? What comes after? Atonement. Great. Then, then what? So atonement is the, is the justice. Then tabernacles. So when he says, I'm going to finish what my father started. It's that cane. <laughs> Suka. 
Um, you said Suka. tabernacles. Started He's like, <laughs> Suka's name means tabernacle. So when I start talking about tabernacles. <laughs> <laughs> Suka. <laughs> so Yom Terah is the trumpet call to bring the king forth. So when he says, I'm going to finish what my father started, all we're focusing on, all this could be, all this world, right, could be fixed in a moment. You guys already know, I've already preached on this. It ain't going to be fixed when the good people leave. It's when the evil leaves and the king reigns on the place that he created for himself. He's coming to reign on this earth. How many want him to come reign on this earth? And I don't mean back in the olden days when we're like, get me out of here. I mean, give me authority like I already have. I am seated at the right hand of the Father, but there's coming a day where everyone on this earth is going to see me sitting at the right hand of the Father, literally, and we're going to rule and reign together. Right now, I have that same authority, but sometimes in the scene world, people are like, But I just stay focused and I keep that authority. I am, I am in heavenly places now. Not when I die. Because if I say I've got heavenly places, if I say that I'm seated in heavenly places when I die, that means that he is not my savior, death is. And hmm. death is not my savior. Therefore, I have authority now and I'm going to execute that authority. But there is coming a day after Yom Terah where the king is going to enter the east gate and he will be on this earth and all of the sons and daughters of Zion will be seen with him. Yeah. That would that would change that would change America. Yeah. But here's the thing, we're not focused on America. I'm focused on executing and practicing and rehearsing my authority with a king that I sit next to because there's coming a day where I'm going to be executing that with him on this earth. Guess when that happens? After Yom Terah, tabernacles. You are celebrating and prophesying and pulling forth heaven to tabernacle on earth. That's why Yeshua said the kingdom is at hand Heaven on earth as it is in heaven. Because what it is that he's wanting you to do. We have been for so long saying, come down. And he's like, let me out. (laughs) He's saying, you're already there. Execute my rule and reign knowing in the hope that you will have backup in a literal tabernacle where he is going to live and dwell among us. That's what we get to rehearse in New Mexico is the trumpet because we're calling forth to dwell with him. We're no longer saying, ah, I've just a renter of this earth and who cares what happens because he's going to whisk me away. Instead, I'm inhabiting and I'm creating and I am and I'm taking dominion and I'm multiplying and I'm being fruitful and I'm rehearsing what he knows so that he has an environment to come and live in. Because if people don't know any of this, he's going to come back and we're going to miss it. How many, okay, back then, 
How many Pharisees missed the Messiah? 2,000 years later, how many Christian churches are going to miss the Messiah? Especially when he says crazy things like, why are you doing Christmas? And what is Easter? And why do you have a cross erected there? Because the cross isn't even in the word. And why are you using the word church? And my name's not Jesus. And guess what's going to happen? The church is going to be like antichrist. Because he's going to come in and be like, that's not my name. They're going to be like, that's antichrist. So there's a remnant of a remnant that is beginning to understand what it was that he rehearsed, what it was that he honored, because that is what is happening during this time. Amen. So New Mexico is a time for us. Uh, do we, I know I'm way out of order. Do you have the picture though, by chance of me holding the Torah? No. Do you guys remember that picture? You have it? If it's possible to get it up. Uh, because I want us to understand that when, when you wake up, what happened to me during Shavuot was when I held onto that Torah, there was an aspect spiritually that I was holding the word. The word became flesh and we preach it all the time. And then we say, Yeshua is inside of me. But the word that became flesh was the Torah. The Torah became flesh. And yet that's why he'll say, and I never knew you because we don't know the Torah, but he is the Torah. Yeah. Yeah. So we say, well, I know all the things Paul said. <laughs> and yet we don't know that he is the Torah. So there was something when I was there that I began to hold on to that supernaturally shook me because I was holding on to the original intent of who Yeshua was, not the one I was raised to think of. And this is what I saw with Matilda and um, Shirley. I saw today, this morning, before I even knew you guys were thinking about coming, I was like, I created them. Because <laughs> I had a vision of you touching that, and it was, da I, I, it, was just, it was dangerous. That's all I'm going to say. I don't think you even got very close to it because it was super dangerous. But can you guys imagine Shirley even walking near that? I just feel like... <laughs> so, New Mexico... Well, let me do this. We do have those recordings, Ellen. I want to listen to, if we could play the recording, this is Dr. Yana. Um, we were there in New Mexico last weekend. Um, and I want you guys to listen, uh, not that video yet, but the recording of Dr. Yana talking about our house. And I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it multidimensional. Okay? I just wanted to say thank you to Justin and Tanya and your beautiful family. I never forget when I first saw them. Uh, at our graduate 
graduation year. I kept studying the energy that I saw on them during that whole weekend. And that's sort of what I do is I, I see the energy before I see the person and it was the most unusual, beautiful energy. Just, um, yeah, I won't go into detail. But do you all recognize the importance of who they are? And that they have opened the doors to be friends with us. And that there's, um, their community is going to come, whoever can, for our feast. And it's going to open the doors for all kinds of relationships. And I just want to say this. First of all, thank you. You're really gutsy to come and be friends with us. We definitely have the best part by having you as our friends. And um, I want to say thank you to Andy and Barry for um, really all that you've done, all that you do. So appreciate you. And um, this is going to help us step up in every way. And it's going to be one of the best gifts the Lord has given us. And so um, we want to give them the best gift that we can, which is us as well. And so as we're doing our preparation work, we'll be in a really good place for when they show up. You know, I'm just saying. But thank you to all of our live streamers. Thank you again. You can stop me. it. Is that powerful? I... This is what's so amazing about two houses coming together. The honor, because I'm over here like, what is Yom Terrorah? Right? And so I'm like, let's get to New Mexico so that they can teach us all of this stuff. And they're like, every part of you is going to help us step up in every way. And what a gift it is. They're, they're talking about how we're gutsy. <laughs> I'm like, we're gutsy. <laughs> <laughs> Right? So it's just, it's too, it's too unusual, beautiful houses that have been shunned by the most, the community for the most part because of following after the original intent is not very popular. And, and, and the honor that comes with being thanked for being a gift and they are doing a preparation work, um, in order to present themselves also as a beautiful gift. Uh, what I mean by that is, is during this last weekend, I really felt like up until this last weekend, I thought that we would receive it all. Like we were on the receiving end of, like, of everything. And this past weekend, I realized what it is as a family that we're giving this is a community that knows how to feast. They know Pesach, they know Shavuot, and they know Tabernacles. What we have is family every single day. And so there's an aspect of covenant 
on a daily yada knowing basis that is going to collide with what he honors the Hebraic culture of the feast and the two becoming one is what is going to basically, I think what you're saying when he says that there's this divine intersection, that those two houses are going to, uh, going to bring that forth. Does that make sense? Yeah, we're basically, we're basically, I mean, we've already kind of entered into a covenant with these two houses and it's represents the ministry of reconciliation. So practically, we can kind of shift practically, okay, what does this all mean and how do we posture ourselves? And I think we all know this, but we're all, we're all already excited. We're going to go, we're going to be, you know, we're going to honor their house. We're going to travel together as a family. You know, once we're there, we're going to go in together. We're going to leave together, all that kind of stuff. Um, and just love on them. Just really love on them because this really is a covenant that Yahweh has orchestrated and it's a purposeful covenant. It's not just, hey, they believe, well, I mean, they do believe the same way, but it's not just about agreement. It's, it's, not, a, um, it's not about unity in the, in the way that we've heard it before. Right. It's about unity in what it truly means in the scripture when Paul talks about the ministry of reconciliation. And it's not about Jew or Gentile. And it's about two, one new man. That's what it's really about. And so we're just honoring what he honors, right? And because he brought this family before us, we're just going to absolutely honor them and continue to honor them. And so. And what does one new man typically, if I can just put this in context to marriage, what happens when you have to bring forth one new man or oneness? You have to understand covenant because you're in it for the long haul. You don't get to pick and choose. I believe that we didn't get to pick and choose this house or these people that we're in relationship with, but Yahweh has divinely brought us together to be able to iron our, we have been, um, sometimes I feel like I just say things and then I'm like, but I just feel like we, we have, we have understood, I don't know, I don't know how to say that. I'm not sure how to say that. I'm in a, I'm, it's not bad. I just don't know how to get it out of my mouth. It, it's like if we were, if we're the Gentile side of the story, can I, can I say that? If we are the Gentile side of the story, okay, then we have done so much work as Gentiles to understand who he is and get rid of the traditions of men, we have gotten out of Christianity and into Gentile-y. Whatever that is, <laughs> right? We have gotten out of being a denomination. We have gotten out of that and have just become stripped. I am a Gentile saved by adoption. I have nothing but his presence. He's the only reason why I have access. That's what I mean. And this house has done the work that he has said, I trust you to collide with the house of Judah. Dr. Yana has lived for 20 years in Jerusalem. A house that knows Israel and wants to pair up with the Gentiles, because she 
understands one new man. When I say that, it's very real. Uh, I, I hope it's all right to tell one of her stories, but she was talking about one time where she'll go out to dinner with different Christian leaders and she kind of tests them to see like if this is going to work or not. And uh, she, she's just really bold. And at one point she was like, I don't understand you Gentiles. You eat, you eat blood and all your meat. He said not to do that. I mean, she's just like, I mean, they, they know the Torah is what I'm saying. But they're, they're willing, not willing, but they know the call to join with a Gentile house who currently eats pork. Because I haven't known what the Torah says. I've known about Santa Claus. I know, all, I know what he looks like. I got pictures of him. But I don't know what the Torah says about food. Okay? We're about to meet a house that knows what the Torah says. Okay, but what they're receiving is a stripped down people that just want the fullness of who he is. That's where one new man comes forth. So to, to finish up that story, what's so powerful is uh, the lady that she was with basically said, huh, that's interesting that you think that because you're drinking wine and isn't that his blood? And Yana was like, Yes. <laughs> and so there's an aspect of, of some things. And so just to kind of, I just, I want to just set the tone because I want you guys to know when they say that we're dangerous or, you know, you guys are gutsy to be friends with us. We were sitting down, we had Shabbat dinner with them and, uh, and <laughs> I was just thinking, well, we're going to know on the spectrum of where we're at, depending on how you respond to this story. <laughs> We're sitting down for Shabbat, and uh, Dr. Yana comes in the door with six bottles of wine. So we sit down, and she starts pouring me wine. And we're just talking, and she goes, what do you see with us? And I was like, you just keep doing that. And she did. <laughs> that was our relationship. So when we say that we're going to New Mexico, there's an aspect of just being able to love on a house that wants the fullness, just like we have gotten to a place. We've torn down and he's starting to build and what he's starting to build is really, you're not it. He just got us to a point to humble ourselves. You ain't all that. He tore us down just enough and said, here's just enough to build to say there's another half of you and you need to go find that half. And that house has been building and has been rehearsing and rehearsing to only find out you not all that, that there's another part to this story. And as we come together, we are going to bring this forth. So I want to read the word going back to uh, Janina's word. He, he uh, started to research this when we got in connection with New Mexico. Uh, this happened by fluke. I joined, we joined a school and they just happened to be in New Mexico. That wasn't planned. We didn't know all that. I actually thought they were in Israel. All right. Um, he says, Ruach led me uh, this morning, this was months ago, to find out about the Gadsden Purchase and how our states have been unified from the beginning based upon the foundation of La Messia. Am I saying that right? La Messia table. La Messia? Yeah. 
the foundation of La Masia table. You guys, <laughs> lives are saved at the dinner table. What did I release about the Hebrew word table? Secrets from Yahweh are given at the table where sons are dwelling around. Only those hear the secrets to go and execute after they leave the table. New Mexico and Arizona, the Gadsden Purchase, purchase has to do with the foundation of a table. This event in history finalized the United States territory as we know it today and established coast-to-coast -coast exchange with the railroad. There's some things that we're going to be stepping into that is far greater than even two. You guys understand when I say two houses. I'm talking about the spirit. I'm not talking about like, and then every other Friday, we're going to be in New Mexico. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying there's something about in my heart when I laid down, I'm all that. And I recognize I need the other half of my house to be connected and that something is coming when the Hebraic meets the Gentiles who are hungry and the Hebrews or the Jews who are not in offense, trumpets. It's like we've both seen the fence. We're tearing it down yes. from this side. They're tearing yes. it down from this side, and we just meet in the middle, and there's no more fence. That's basically what's happening. Two families that are willing to tear down the fence. So, so that's to get everybody, right, to understand in, in the unseen realm what is happening so that we can really posture ourselves and be excited, you know, to just step into that in the, the fullest way we possibly could. One of, the, one of the powerful things is they began to ask us, how do you guys operate? And so we started talking about our family dinner table discussions. And they think that that is so powerful that we operate in dialogue. And so just know that what you bring and what you carry, that there's something so deep and so significant as well as, even though it's so deep and so significant, it's also really not that big of a deal. It's like this humble power. It's what the word meekness actually means. It doesn't mean lowly. It means extreme power under submission. You know who you are, you walk in power, you walk in authority, but you walk humble and you walk honored and you walk as if, does that make sense? That's how we're gonna, that's how we're gonna walk in coming into this situation. Oh yeah, logistics, yeah, it's eight o'clock. Well, uh, we can also open it up for um, Q&A because we have this Friday, next Friday, and then we're gone right? So we only have a couple of weeks. So I want to make sure that if there's any questions about this trip that we answer them. But just to start us off, uh, like I said, we have 17 rooms booked. For anyone that wants a room and has not booked a room, tomorrow is the last day to be able to get that rate. Doesn't mean you won't get a room, but it's the last day to get that rate. So it ends tomorrow. So if there's anybody else who wants a room, I think there's actually one room left. <laughs> Uh, to be able to get that rate. So uh, the plan is that Friday for, uh, there's two things that uh, I don't know how I'm gonna do this, but I'm gonna have to figure it out. But there's two different head counts that I need. 
I'm going to need a head count for who's going to be there at Shabbat for Friday. And for those of you that are not going to make it till Saturday because they're providing a meal on Friday night and they're providing a meal on Saturday. And so they want a head count for who's actually going to eat. So I know that I have a pretty good head count of all who's coming in all the rooms, but I kind of need to know details of when you're going to get there. Or if you could somehow get me that information, I'm going to be here on Saturday. I'm not going to be here on Friday. Friday, the time for Shabbat dinner is 6.30. Okay? So if you're going to be here for 6.30 dinner on Friday, then I'll need to know that. If not, then we would see you on Saturday. Does that make sense? Uh, Also, if you're vegan, they would like to honor our house and how we eat, and so they want to know for um, those of us that are dietary needs, we would let them know that. Um, the brewers are going to meet at Kingdom Air's headquarters at 10 a.m. on Friday. So that means if you want to caravan and you want to drive together, you do not have to, but if you want to drive together, 10 a.m., food and coffee in hand. Not like 10 a.m. and then we're going to go get coffee. Coffee and food in hand, leaving at 10 a.m. Here's why. It is almost a five-hour drive. I thought it was four. It's almost five hours, and then we lose an hour. So you have to plan. Technically, if you leave at 10, you're not going to be getting there till four. I do that right? Okay. And check-in is three, so we're thinking four is probably a good time. We will go straight to Jurian to drop off our bags, get ourselves settled, get yourselves in the room, and then we'll collect uh, at Jurian at 5.30 is happy hour at Drury Inn. So if you're there and you want appetizer, we're about to have dinner, but they have, you know, drinks and they have uh, appetizers. Well, we can meet there and congregate there and kind of just cool off. And then we'll go straight to the Kahal for Shabbat dinner at 630. Sound good? Yeah, if there's, um, if there's somebody that wants to orchestrate, like, hey, we're going to be leaving at 4, you guys get together. But the first caravan will be 10 a.m. Does that work? Saturday morning, and again, this is all on that schedule. You guys still have that, right? Saturday morning, uh, of course, there's breakfast at Drury Inn, and then uh, they will be hosting a lunch at 11.30 at the Cajal. Drury Inn's about three miles away from the Cajal, so it's right down the street. Basically, you're going to be at the Cajal from lunch until we break for dinner, whatever that looks like for your family, or you can go back to Durian and do the happy hour because it is kind of a full meal if, if you're into hot dogs and baked potato bar and salad and they have like, they have a rotating menu. It's a hot menu. So if you want to eat that, you can go back to Durian, eat, freshen up. Then we will be coming back for the actual Yom Terra service. Does that make at 6.30 on Saturday night? So Friday night is a, just an intimate, an intimate Shabbat dinner. Saturday will be lunch. They'll be speaking in the afternoon, and then we will have the Yom, Ter- Yom Terah service on Saturday night. Then Sunday morning, same thing. We can all meet for breakfast. And then if you are married and want to, meet back at the Kahal around 11 o'clock. Bring your kids. If you're married, we're going to be uh, speaking on some stuff with married people. Married people and their kids. 
Yeah, you can bring your kids. If you're married, you can come. We'll meet, we'll meet at the Cajal. And then, um, but if you're not, then we would all eat together and we would all, um, I am envisioning eating and praying and sending everyone home. I want us to be aware that this uh, stretch of road, am I saying that right? This drive is not the best if you want to eat unless you like fast food. There's like one spot, I think Gallup, maybe about halfway that you can maybe grab some stuff. Other than that, there's not a whole lot of options. So make sure you pack for your family for a five-hour trip, whether it be lunch or snacks or drinks, because there's not a whole lot of stopping. Was there anything else? Any questions about any of it? on the, with this side of where? Grants? Is that a city? Is it closer to Albuquerque or closer to us? Closer to us. So there's a, there's a Mexican restaurant near Grants. And they had some truck stops and stuff, so it just kind of depends. I mean, there were some gas stations and that kind of thing, but if you're, like, looking for, like... You guys did not hear from me on Friday because I was very cranky because I didn't have my coffee in hand or my food and I thought I could stop in the way and I couldn't and I was starving. It was an awesome car ride. Here's the thing. Maybe we should do the marriage counseling before. (laughs) Here's the thing. Let me say this. Because that Friday was a fight for me. You guys know our story. Our house flooded. We're living in a hotel. I don't even know how I'm dressed right now. I, I was out of my mind. And I was mad. And I'm irritated. And I am frustrated. We are on our way to New Mexico. I'm telling you guys, come in love and humble. You might come in on Friday like... And that's all right. They will receive you because they did me. I walked right in through uh, Andy's door and I'm like, I'm hungry. (laughs) And he looked at me and goes, you need to go take a nap. (laughs) That's why when Yana came in with wine, I was like, just, (laughs) it's Friday. Here's the thing. What I'm getting at is there's going to be a fight. Here's what Dr. Yana said the moment we all gathered around the Shabbat dinner table. I'm still... I don't know why I'm here. I'm in a hotel. I don't even know if I pack my stuff. Why are we here? Like, I'm, I'm all over the place. And she goes, from this moment forward, it is Shabbat. Do you want to know what that means? It means for the next 24 hours, you rehearse what it's like in heaven, and you have no problems. And all of a sudden, I was like, whoop, alignment. Okay. And I, for the next 24 hours, was not allowed to talk about anything. I had no problems. We got to rehearse for 24 hours what it was like to be in oneness, and it didn't matter. I didn't have coffee. <laughs> but, but think about that. He's asking us every Shabbat right now, Friday night, he's asking us for the next 24 hours. Rehearse as if you are in heaven because in heaven there are no problems. You have no problems in him. That's what Shabbat's about. That's why there was a fight to get there because I heard that and I was like, whoa. Everything shifted from that moment forward. So I want us to be aware that getting into Shabbat, remember it's the end of your week. 
So you're gonna be feeling the end of your week and you're gonna be feeling the, the frequencies of earth and the frequencies of your bosses and the frequencies of your daughters and the frequencies of just traffic. You gotta you got understand, right? You guys understand Earth's frequencies. I hope I'm not the only one that operates in Earth's frequencies. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're gonna get shot into Shabbat. And you're gonna get shot straight into heaven. And you are gonna get a complete flip of what it's like to operate in heaven's frequency. It is like a, it's like right now, Shabbat shift. Shabbat shift, Shabbat shalom. It's, you just, all of a sudden, you're just, you're in the earth's frequency. And then, and then he says, please rehearse my frequency. Start now. The new day, it's the beginning. It's the beginning of the week and, and, and entering into that. And so I want to say that because if that happens to you in a couple of weeks, just know I've been there. <laughs> but that's what's going to happen is you're going to be shot into a rehearsal of heaven and a celebration of a trumpet because one day, all of this earth is going to experience heaven's frequency. And how many of us want to know what that feels like before it comes? I do not want to be like, where's my coffee? And all of a sudden, heaven's frequency is right up all of them. And he's like, I never knew you. <laughs> right? I want to be practicing and rehearsing that frequency so we get that opportunity. Amen. No questions? 10 o'clock headquarters here. Yes, Gabe. Um, so their family, um, basically one of the, th this, here, let me give you, I just want to give you guys some stories because I want to give some culture. At the Shabbat dinner, Yana, that we did communion and they have married couples begin to turn to one another and we feed one another and we do communion with one another. And she basically granted us permission to make your children very uncomfortable with your level of affection. Make sure that you are expressing your affection and that people see that. The reason why I say that culture is because they are very adamant that our children see the culture and experience it in any way that they experience it. So you will see in their kahal, children will walk right up to you and put their hands up because they want those kids to feel like anyone can pick them up. So there's, um, now when I say freedom, you guys know what we've been in. It does not mean kids are like disrespecting the house and running around and they have, they have um, tallits on. So these little kids are praying under tallits, but they're freely walking around. Does it, so it, again, it's that authority, but it's humble. So there's a freedom, but it's controlled freedom. Free to obey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know that they do have a back room, but basically their culture is they want the children all up in this culture, whatever that may look like. She'll be in the middle of talking like I am, and a little kid will come right up to her and she'll pick her, pick her up, and it's uh, very free for the children. I don't think so. I know that when they were talking to us about going to Israel, that there was a strict clothing, um, but I don't even know what that is. But no. If anybody needs that talk, it was probably me. 
You guys are all fine. <laughs> what, was that your same question? Clothing. Any other questions? Well, as far as how to celebrate the Feast of Trumpets, that I have no idea. So it was just like Shavuot. We felt breath on how to celebrate Shavuot, but then the way they did it, I had no idea there was even such a thing as dancing with the Torah. So a lot of it is going to be new because I don't know how to celebrate it. The only thing that I know about trumpets is that it, do you guys have, Kaya, you had it, that paper with the feast? I think that there was one up there. Oh, right here. If you guys don't have this, Gabe has made this handout that kind of describes all the feasts. And so where we are, we celebrated Shavuot and we're going to be here. And this is where Tab Tabernacles is. So as far as the actual feast and what we know of it, we just know that it's the Feast of Trumpets and that that will call him into... Um, atonement and then tabernacles where he dwells but how to celebrate it that's what we're going to learn i don't know yeah. they Go did ahead. say if anybody has uh shofars bring them oh yes if yes oh my gosh i'm so thankful you remember that if you have a shofar bring it apparently there's a lot of trumpet blowing on trumpets makes sense so if you have a shofar bring it um they want as many shofars as possible Go ahead. Is there going to be a set-aside time for tabernacles, or are we celebrating it in, like, kind of, like, together? So what I, what I heard, <laughs> what I heard, what I felt Yahweh was breathing on is that we are going to celebrate and really go all in on Yom, Yom Terah, and then that is going to set us up on how to celebrate tabernacles next year. So Tabernacles is about two weeks after Yom Terah. As a family, we are not going to be celebrating anything in particular for Tabernacles, if that makes sense, to set us up for how we want this to look as a family next year. Think, seeing it as the first prophetic and not knowing because it's prophetic and hasn't been fulfilled, we thought that since we had this opportunity to come under a house to teach us instead of just uh, doing Tabernacles and not knowing what we were doing. But we will be celebrating Tabernacles. Uh, do you think that we'll celebrate all the feasts with them so that like we can celebrate it as one home? What she said was, was that this is going to be the door for many relationships. And so we don't know what is going to happen. And that is what's so powerful about even Yom Terah is that they do travel. I mean, they're only at the Kahal maybe once a month. They're traveling so much and they only invited our house. It's, so it's, a very it's very intimate in that sense. So what's going to come of this? I don't know. I don't know. But I, uh, let me, let me uh, say this, and I don't know if this even necessarily matters, but I'm thankful that we went last weekend because all I knew was Shavuot. So I thought that they, were, they did that every week. And I realized that's not the way that it is. They just know how to honor the feasts. 
So when we go, this is a feast that we're joining with them. This is not their everyday Shabbat. They're, they're I'm like, they're normal people. <laughs> But, but what I mean is they have a, uh, they have a Saturday night service and it kind of looks like ours. They'll do meditation and teach and they have tore down everything church like we have. They don't even do worship. In fact, I found out the last time they did worship was at Shavuot. So we're probably going to have worship again, but that's not necessarily normal for them is what I want you guys to know because they're operating in the same way if they want nothing to do with man's tradition. Yana is so funny. She goes, what kind of songs do you sing there? And she goes, because I just, you know, because she's, she, she, I, I feel like I found my partner. Because I just, you know, she, she comes in with no patience right from the beginning. And she, she'll just talk about, like, why are we singing? Like, you know how you can hear the frequencies now? You'll hear a song, and I'm trying to think of a song that we would sing. Oh, come rest on us. And she's like, why are we singing, resting? He's in me. And so she just gets, so she just, music to them has just been like, just stop it. They want to, they want to do, well, Anyways, stuff we'll probably be getting into that we would be like, what is that? Because it's more based on frequency and stuff like that. So there's just some things. All I'm saying is, is when you go there, it's not like this is there every single week. This is their feast, which happens three times a year, the high holy days. Any other questions? They're pretty much like us size-wise. When we told them that we had about 65, they were like, oh, our houses are almost exactly the same. And they've gone through a shaking just on the other side of the fence. They've gone through a shaking and then they started to get into the new era and they began to start to move. And then they've kind of, they pretty much have the exact same story just on the other side of the fence. Any other questions? You guys excited? It's super hot in here. All right. Are we handing this off to anyone else? Or are we done? We are. Dee's got it. Matilda, did you have a question? Um, this is just like super exciting for me. Not only, you know, our, is our, you know, we're doing this as kingdom and all that, but um, my, for myself personally, that's where I grew up is right on the Arizona, New Mexico state line. In fact, I told people uh, my living room is on in Arizona. My bedroom is in New Mexico. <laughs> Shirley's is over the hill in New Mexico. But, um, you know, in all my life growing up as a child, as a minor, that that state line was very, very clear. Hmm. I live just like a mile inside the state of New Mexico, and there's a school right there in Arizona. Hmm. I was not allowed to go hmm. there because hmm. of the state line. We had to drive 40 miles on a bus, ride a bus every day to go to Gallup to go to school. Wow. So, you know, that line was very, very there. <laughs> and it's like, are you Arizona or are you New Mexico? Mm. You know, we had to mm. decipher or how do you say it? Really, mm -hmm. really draw that line because we were bound by that. Wow. But 
today. It's Amen. Down. Hallelujah. Amen. That full circle story, I almost see that there might be something if we're in the caravan stopping at that state line and really declaring some things with the Gadsden Bridges. What beautiful music. <laughs> <laughs> or my classroom sometimes. <laughs> All right. Raise your hand if you are full in more ways than one, right? I'm looking around and there's like several plates that still have like tons of food. How many of you got a, a full plate of food? Yeah? Okay, I saw some people who got two full plates of food. Who was double plating? Okay, yeah, yeah. Who got a bowl of something? Anybody get a bowl of something in addition to your one or two plates? And then you got like a plate from dessert. Anybody get some dessert too? Yeah. So we have had our fill, right? We have had like more than enough. More than enough. And w I feel lame because I prepared this and then I'm like, ah, I'm holding on to an old tradition. So you guys are, you can make fun of me, but I think I'm going to pull it full circle, okay? So just, are you guys down? Okay. This is all he's asking for. Now, that's not all, right? But this is what we knew in our tradition. This is what he was asking for. Or that. Or that. I double-checked my angles to see if I was right, because it doesn't seem like a lot. <laughs> And I feel like it's pretty accurate. Or that. That's all he's asking. How many of you overate? Like if you gave that much back off of all your plates and bowls, you'd still be full. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah? Is there still pozole in that pot? I, I'm pretty sure there, I made it. So I'm pretty sure there's still pozole left in that pot. Because that's how we roll. And it's like three-fourths of the way full. Right? And, and we struggle to give back that much, but when in reality, like, had we started with that much less, we wouldn't have even noticed a difference, right? We actually probably would feel better and not so, like, right now, right? But I think later on, he required more of us, right? And I think it was, I don't know, do you, how much was it? A lot, right? Like everything, all of it. So like if I took two, t twice as much and I gave it all, I'd still have an, more than enough? Oh, that makes sense. It's intentional I had two. So what if we gave all of it? I only had one marker and it started to die on me. But what if we gave it all and we still had even more than enough? Like my family is going to go home and eat like all weekend off of the food that the one meal that I made and I brought a king size portion for all of us to share, we could probably all leave and still have more than enough food. Because that's how amazing Yahweh is. That's how he multiplies. But we, it requires something of us, and we have to be willing. So this evening at dinner, um, I think he just ran out of the room. Uh, Regina was like, oh, I need chips. And Thomas, Thomas looked at his full bowl of chips and he was like, you can have mine. 
Like it wasn't like, well, this is mine and I'll just go get you. If there's any crumbs left over, I'll go get you some crumbs, right? No, Thomas, in that moment, we talk about having like the heart of a child and being able to walk like they walk. Thomas literally freely, I think he gave you like his whole bowl. He didn't like say, well, I've got these crumbled up chips that are on top of my pasole. Why don't you have those? Like, you know, just take the small little piece of it. He gave her all of his chips without any reservation. So what if we walked like that in our finances too? I was doing some, you know, when you started to talk about uh, La Masia and the Gadsden purchase, the United States paid $15 million to Mexico to buy that part of the land. $15 million. Now that seems like a lot. Like if my kids, like, hey, think about $15 million, that would be so much for them. Just like this is so much for us. But the reality is now $15 million is like nothing. If we talk about like what it costs to run a military in a day, it's way more than that. But that's what was purchased all the, like more than, I don't know, like 150 years ago for $15 million. It seemed so much at the time. They probably gave their all at the moment. So for now, that was our all, or back then that was our all. But what if we gave like literally our all? Not, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna use some language not, not like bad language. I'm just going to, I'm going to, if I had like an English teacher here, they'd be super proud. So there's a difference between this was all, this was all I had to versus this is my all. There's a difference between this is all I have to and this is my all that I can. Does that make sense? So tonight, prepare yourself. What does that look like? Is it your checkbook? Is it your cash? I know Catherine has some cash ready to give. She was very excited to give her cash and it's a lot for her in her own little, in her world of what she has, her economy, it's a lot. It's almost her all. So get, prepare yourself. I don't see anybody moving. Are we ready? Have you prepared yourself? I prepared myself before I came up here, I promise. You could check my text to give. I think the text to give number is up there actually if you need to. So run up here to this treasure box because don't just, don't just, it's not all you have to give, it is your all. So Yahweh, we just thank you. We step out in faith and we give you our all, not just our all minimized, but our all capitalized. And we give you our all because we know and we trust that what we leave with will be far more than what we came with. Mom said the pot was filled three quarters of the way. That's 75%. I honestly believe it was like 80% full when we got here. We lost about 2% on the way. Sydney can tell you about it. But Yahweh, we just thank you for that divine multiplication that we have more than enough for what we need, that we have more than enough of time that you're going to provide for us. We have more than enough of resources to get to New Mexico and 
New Mexico and back, we have more than enough of what we need, and you are providing that for us. And so we give in faith right now, and we trust that you are going to provide for us in the time that we need it. In the name of Yeshua, amen. Amen. All right, well, we love family nights, and I know this one was... um, preparation in a sense as Ellen had said when she first came up here it was kind of like or no Missy had said it was kind of that talk before we go to the restaurant right that talk before we go to New Mexico of um and pretty much a lot of what I was hearing I really felt like it was powerful just as you know if you guys need more time to give or just to connect some dots uh when dad's talking about honoring that seat I felt like that, like it was connecting in adoption. And I started just seeing some things that I wanted to just kind of go back a little bit and honor because adoption is what's what's got us here, okay? Um, When they were talking about honoring the seat, if we put it in context with mom and dad, specifically over this family, so they, they were on earth, Yahweh started to move in their spirits, Okay, and they started feeling like there's more, there's more. Then they decided after Yahweh started uh, revealing things to them, they decided to start adopting, to start expressing that spirit of adoption with others as Yahweh had settled on them. They had been adopted to Yahweh, right? And so um, as they expressed adoption in this house, then it was up to those of us who were being adopted, you know, one by one, it became up to us to literally look at what they carry, look at what they're doing, look at what they're saying, look at what they're bringing, look at how they're making us feel, look at those things that they're bringing up in our lives, and we had to choose to honor the seat that they carry, okay? What's amazing about that is that as we honored that seat and we said yes, and we reciprocated that relationship, um, then honor started to fall, and he started to give us uh, the pillars that we talk about so often. And so, um, so it was awesome in another area, Mom and Dad, when you guys were talking about um, structure and honor, and it's not anymore about legalism, in a sense, is what I was hearing. Um, so this is not a, we're all going to go to New Mexico and we're all going to be on our best behavior because this is what the pastor is telling us to do, right? <laughs> Just for the sake of doing it to look pretty, right? That's not what we're doing. What we're doing is responding to an invitation because we've already practiced responding to invitation after invitation that has been handed out by these two specifically. Um, we're responding to an invitation to go and meet and connect with family And then, uh, like, what's crazy is that in the uniting of the two houses, there's adoption happening in that, right? It's like like adoption. I don't know if I can explain that, but like a uniting of the two houses, it's like if Yahweh has been wanting since the beginning of the foundation of the earth for the two houses to be united, then when they become united and they become that new man, that's an... that, that new man becomes adopted, <laughs> right? And so what is going to come out of that multiplication when that new man is finalized and is, and is one person and has been adopted and then has been raised up and then goes into multiplication, what is next? 
Like, what is that, you know? And so it was just making me think of how he, we traded out legalism for uh, adoption when mom said, that was really powerful, when she said, I've not been saved by grace, I've been saved by adoption. That was a big deal because it was adoption that literally saved our lives. Um, and as we walk in that, then he handed us structure, order, honor. Um, the, the floor that we're actually walking on right now is honor. Like that's the, the, um, that, that's the floor that we're on in the pillar structure. So as we're walking on honor, um, he sets order and structure. And then we're allowed to then celebrate this pillar, which is the feast. Okay. So I just thought that was really powerful. And then for an entire family, when they're literally saying, when Yana was like, oh, whoever can. And it's like our entire family is going. And I guarantee, I know for us, there is a process most of us probably had to go through in order to say, yes, I will go, not knowing what we're heading into. <laughs> but because we honor the seats, that we see them walk in and we have responded to invitation and we can now honor through their eyes, we can honor the seat the New Mexico family sits in because we're used to that lifestyle. We're used to that lifestyle of honor. And so, <laughs> so in this, we're really excited to go in a couple of weeks. Um, and as you guys heard, so... All of this is happening, and what's incredible about this is that Yahweh is so good. He acts so independent of anything going on in our lives, because you guys know, you've heard that mom and dad have been through a crazy, has it been two weeks now? Oh my gosh, a crazy two weeks that has just literally been crazy with the flooding. So we have a meal train still set up for them uh, until September 10th is on the meal train. And so if you want, um, as these next few weeks go by, if you want to sow into, that is a very easy, a very practical way to provide for them to honor that seat that they sit in, okay, that no matter what's going on in their life, because one of the things they have taught us is consistency. One of the things they've handed down is that ability to, regardless of what is going on in your life, that we're not moved and shook because we've been raised up, okay? So if you want to pour into them in a practical uh, way, there is a meal train set up. You can talk to Amber Ubetha. If you want the link specifically or if you want to sign up, there's Amber right there. <laughs> um, or you can obviously reach out to any of us and we can send you the link as well. So uh, if you look on your tables, you guys, there are chore sticks because, again, on that floor of honor, we want to make sure our home is taken care of. So those chore sticks are on the tables. We are going to um, leave this house in better condition well, in the same condition that we found it, which was clean and, uh, and well put together. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for uh, what you're going to launch us into, into our next as a family. Father, we thank you that individually there's been a lot of processes of a lot of us just being able to launch forward um, from mom and dad specifically to, um, to go into our next. But now you're allowing us as an entire family unit to launch into our next, Father. So we thank you for that. We thank you for what's coming. We thank you for how you're allowing us to walk. And we ask that you would just continue to bless in Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. 
If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomairsflag.org. Thank you.